Welcome to the D.A.R.E. podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at DareResponse.com. Now, without further ado, here is the D.A.R.E. podcast. Hi, everyone. For anybody who doesn't know me, my name is Michelle Cavanaugh. I'm one of the coaches here at D.A.R.E. Um, Aida Becco is our other coach. She'll be joining us. And here it comes, Aida. Hello. Hello, Michelle. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, yes. Hey, Michelle. Good to oh, see you. Yeah. Good to see you. How are things? Good. On your side? Fabulous. We haven't seen each other in ages. I know. Right? <laughs> I know. Even off the dare calls, I haven't seen you. We have to catch up. Yes, definitely. So good to see you. Good to see everybody. Hello. Yeah, a lot of people are saying hi all around the world. Um, a bunch of new people today, which is so nice. Oh, awesome. So, Michelle, uh, should we? Do you have the questions before you? Should we just jump yeah. right in? Yeah. You want me to? You want me to read them off? Do you have them too? I have them too. Here, yes. Okay. Here we go. Question number one: What is one way to stop being anxious about being anxious after panic attacks? I was so anxious for a week; it literally put me on the couch. I couldn't move. I love this question. It's such a good question, you guys. Who? has experienced higher levels of anxiety after a panic attack. It's kind of like blowback anxiety, you know, when something big happens, you know, and a panic attack can feel big indeed. Yes, a lot of people, right? Or when you've you've been pushing out and have been doing something, something really scary. <laughs> Always, exactly. So one thing, well, what, let's start with what you shouldn't do, and that is try to bring yourself back into a state of calm, which, you know, doesn't work <laughs> as you know by now but i think it's important to expect to feel this way for a while right a panic attack is really an intense rush of adrenaline so that does sensitize your nervous system that's completely okay now it's your interpretation of that heightened state that really you know makes and breaks everything because if you interpret that heightened state or sensitization as now heightened anxiety which again is a problem then you are again stuck in that cycle so I think expectation management is definitely one thing. And I think this is really a time where you could just try and implement more relaxing things in your day-to-day -day life. Not to not be anxious, but just to help your body calm down faster from the heightened state. So things like, you know, guided meditations, taking a walk, not doing high-intensity stuff, maybe not drinking too much, not going on parties is usually really helpful. So trying to keep your stress to a fairly normal level is definitely helpful and not just letting time pass. And I'm sure um, that has been a while ago and you should already feel much better than when you submitted this question. If you had a panic attack, I mean, kind of picture it like anything else. Forget panic attack. Imagine you, somebody startled you, somebody dropped a dish or somebody walked into the house and you weren't expecting them and you jumped, right? You had a startle reflex. You jumped. That would be similar to panic attack, right? Something jumped and caught you off guard. Here's the startle. Now, are you immediately calm? Are you immediately regulated once you realize that oh, it was just your kid came in the back door? No, your body is in a heightened state. And this is, this are all like the little videos of the pond settling down and the water settling down and the dust settling down. It's quick to stir up. But then mm -hmm. like if I could shake a rug, the dust comes out and then it takes time for the dust to settle down as it should. 
right? Almost everybody in the chat said, yep, yep, definitely, definitely me. You go for a run. I know you know you like this one. You go for a run and you're running and running and running and you stop. Your body's still here. This is the residual anxiety that's left after a panic attack. This is the residual dust that's left after you shake out a rug. And how do you, and so the question is, how does the dust settle down? And the answer is, it's such a weird answer. It's, any word we say, if it's taken as a means towards action, it's going to have the opposite of why we're saying all the things. It's just leave the dust alone. Yeah, no. and expect expect it, right? Of expect course, it's to good. expect it to be up. That's yeah. expect to be out of breath after you run a marathon. Expect to still be startled and your heart to still be racing after somebody scared you. We just get scared of being scared after being startled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just be in a heightened state. Like you don't have to do a whole lot about it. You can go and do things that would bring on a feeling of calm afterward, like by accident, like go back out and engage in activities in life. And then your body calms itself back down. But this is what happens when you get hooked in on your own stress response. Stressor, stress response attending and staring to stress response, getting scared of being scared and trying to calm down. And so one way is to get better at having that response and treat it as normal. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course I'm so heightened. Of course I'm so exhausted. Sometimes it comes with a low mood as well because it's like, and you're left with depletion, exhaustion, still jittery after that. Yep. That's how it feels. That's, this is how a panic attack feels. And this is how it feels after the panic attack. Kind of just take that as, 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 as normal. Does that, does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. And also, you know, when you're going through a particularly stressful phase in your life, then you will maybe feel more sensitized. Or if you've had a panic attack because you pushed through something that you've been avoiding for a very long time. So there's a lot of anticipatory anxiety that builds up to that. So take that into account. The bigger the thing, the, the bigger the impact, let's say, uh, of, of the panic attack, the bigger the the, the blowback sensitization of this. But really really absolutely okay yes yes very very uncomfortable very uncomfortable but this too settles just as the panic attack came and then went this this will come and go too all right good next question i'm having anxiety 24 7 that affects my sleep and digestion what am i doing wrong i like this question in particular because i think the focus Let's try to focus on, on the second part of the question, which is what am I doing wrong? So what is the implication here, Michelle? Right. As if and the presence of anxiety is your fault or your responsibility and trying to do something to get rid of the anxiety. If it's what am I doing wrong because I still feel it's subtle right? But you're still embattled with a feel. The presence of anxiety is still marked as what's wrong. And for all my 24 sevener's, I saw it in the chat too, who is constant, wake up, you have two seconds of bliss when you like, forget what life is, right? For two seconds, and you're like, Oh, shit, wait, I have anxiety all the time, you tune in, you find it. And then it's 
constantly on and constantly looking at it on and nothing you do helps and it's a constant I, I refer to it as um, to somebody yesterday I'm like you're stuck at a seven who's st stuck at a seven all the time you don't quite even get to panic attack maybe sometimes you do but you never get below a 6.5 you're always sort of stuck at a seven mm. Yes. And some people say, I wish I could just have that damn panic attack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, it would just turn into that 10. And then I know it's going to go down to, let's say, a two or a three. But being stuck in that, that state between 6.5 and, and let's say 7, 8, that's where your mind is constantly, ooh, and you feel like you have no break from it at all. And it's so all consuming. Yes, that's the tough part. Definitely. Right. And so what am I doing wrong? You might not be doing anything wrong, but you asking what you're doing wrong <laughs> shows you're mm -hmm. trying to do a whole lot of something to calm down the anxiety. Now, you can do things. That's what medication is for. If you are constantly at a sensitized state, medication helps you feel less sensitized. That's kind of the point of it, to bring down your levels of anxiety. You're welcome to do so. There may be physiological reasons, right? There, I, like it's kind of like asking, why am I anxious twenty four seven? There could be again number of, a number of reasons: diet and wellness, and and a reaction to medication, or after being sick, or after smoking pot, or what. There could be a number of reasons why I'm anxious. Here at DARE, we talk about the maintaining behaviors and factors that keep us. It's almost like, it's almost like questions like that to me look more of like, this is not diagnostic, nothing like that. Here's my disclaimer. It's almost like a lot of these anxiety questions really take the form of how the OCD template sort of works, where anxiety becomes the O. Mm -hmm. And all of our behaviors and involvement and rumination are like the C to this O. And then all we do is constantly look for and find this feeling and we get frustrated that's still there. So we try and do something else. And a lot of things, like a lot of um, chronic medical conditions, let's say um, chronic fatigue syndrome or something like that, where Somebody can have chronic fatigue syndrome and not have anxiety, but somebody might take that feeling of fatigue and then that becomes the O. And then we get into these like the C of OCD of checking every day to see if something worked, to see how I feel, to make my decisions based on that particular feeling. Does this make sense to everybody? I know we have a lot of new people on, but sometimes anxiety becomes the object of our constant behavior and work and trying everything to get rid of this feeling, which only kind of keeps us enmeshed in it. Yes. And, you know, anxiety does affect sleep and digestion mm -hmm. and sex. Yeah, and stress does that too. Yep. So maybe you can recall a time when you've been really stressed but not anxious and you had trouble sleeping and you had you had trouble with your digestion. So I think it's really important to remember it's not all anxiety is this big illness that is doing this to me. Now I need to fix the anxiety so I can fix my sensations. Right? It's really important that I address the core issue of of or the core maintaining 
factor of this, right? And that is trying to get rid of it. That is the cat chasing his tail, mm-hmm. trying, try, labeling something as a problem, trying to figure figure it out, figure it out, doing, doing, doing. And and, and the, the more you 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 fight, the harder this gets. And then of course you will get more sleep issues and more digestive problems. Right? So right. the sensations are not the problem. Uh, so I'm still having sensations. That means I'm doing something wrong. That in itself is a problem because mm-hmm. you might be doing everything right, let's say, but you might still be sensitized or you might still have other stresses in your life that are contributing to this. Right? So think of that more as, as of oh, what at what level is my sensitization at the moment? Okay, it seems to be pretty high because my sensations are strong. Okay, what is contributing to this sensitization? Let me take a look at my life stress levels but also let me look at how am i responding to this mm-hmm. am i catastrophizing am i consciously ruminating am i online reading about it all day long trying to find a cure then you are doing the exact opposite of of leaving it be right and allowing right. your body to calm down right. so and those... go ahead sorry i i was just i thought you were done it was like I've used this example before, but for anybody who's new, it's like the seesaw, right? If you're in fight or flight, here's, you know, I picture like a seesaw and if fight or flight is on, rest and digest is sort of off, right? So if you are waiting for a danger, you can't all like your digestive system, your, your, um, your sleep, your sex drive, all that stuff takes a back seat. It, it's, it's important, but it's less important when it comes to danger right now. So if you're well, in a heightened state, like kind of, kind of like how we answered the first question, just take it with, well, of course my appetite, my stomach is a little bit messed up. Of course I'm not sleeping well. If there was real danger, remember, like I have a danger response ringing without the real danger. If there was real danger and my real danger response was ringing, right? I wouldn't want to go into a deep sleep if there was a murderer in my neighborhood. I would like, I would fall asleep and then wake up startled, like, and I wouldn't be so busy about making a turkey sandwich or spending three hours making like ribs. I would be like eat or not wearing it. Like I would be surviving. And so, well, of course, when I'm more anxious, I'm not interested in having sex or eat. Like just take that as that's what a heightened state feels like. And that's when it comes with, again, if it felt great, we would both be out of jobs. It just feels shit. And so it's, this is just the feelings that come with it. Yeah. And a question to you all, guys. Please recall any situation of your life that was highly stressful. That had nothing to do with anxiety about anxiety. Just highly stressful. How did you feel? How was your sleep? How was your sex drive? How was your appetite? You know, it's called rest and digest for a mm-hmm, reason. Mm-hmm. Rest and digest. Right? So rest and digest comes back when you slow down when you calm down and it's those are the usually the first two things that take a backseat sleep appetite digestion digestive system how's it for you michelle when you go through stress you just moved house how it was actually it didn't raise my anxiety levels but if i was when i am there's stress there was stress and my sleep was it's so funny that for sleep though so i had my husband ended up having to leave the day before we thought he was going to have to leave. And I left the next day with the kids. So I had to clean my whole house from the old house, top to bottom. um, Cause we were leaving the next day and I was, 
my body was exhausted. I was emotionally, ex- I'm like vacuuming the rooms going, my baby, I'm crying, but then I'm happy and I'm excited and I'm tired and I'm hot. And I remember sleeping at my parents that night going, finally just going to sleep. I'm just going to finally get into this deep sleep because we have been sleeping so terribly. And I did this all night. I was wide awake. Why? I don't know. Maybe because, I don't know, my mom has 10 million nightlights from QVC on and candles all around her room. And I'm not used to the bed. And I was too tired. But I just didn't sleep well. And now I'm settled down in here. I'm in a routine. My sleep is bad. My my digestion didn't get too messed up at all. But what if I am anxious? Some people tend to eat more. I My stomach just shuts down. Yeah, my stomach too. shuts down and I have to kind of like make myself eat something at a certain point. I would just like my throat closes off and I just I just can't eat. That's how I am when, when I'm anxious. Yeah, I have no like, problem sleeping. It doesn't affect my sleep so much, but mostly my appetite. And you know, I'm pointing this out because, you know, anxiety has this sneaky way of... of um masking itself as stress you know or vice versa so it's really important to distinguish what is going on not everything is anxiety sometimes it's just stress sometimes you're just freaking exhausted sometimes you just have some deadlines that that you're um, anxious about so it's not always anxiety about anxiety sometimes it's just a lot or a lot of demands or a lot of unmet needs that you know can can cause this unsettling feeling and it always it seems to be oh it's anxiety i feel off it's anxiety i feel off it's anxiety oh i have sleep issues oh my god anxiety is back mm-hmm. oh my stomach is saying something weird oh i have anxiety maybe it's not anxiety maybe it's right. it's something something else so just just be aware of that and always take a look at your life what is going on because we kind of still zoom into the moment how i feel right now and i completely forget what happened the past two weeks maybe the past two weeks were super super freaking intense but i already forgot about that all i'm left with is a consequence and now i start to become afraid of oh i'm feeling this way yeah and it was- or somebody's sick in the hospital and now it's and now i'm so anxious and I, i'm checking my heart rate and i'm checking well also right anxiety has a nice way also of showing it being a nice distractor of oh somebody's sick in the hospital that's the stressor here's your stress response and now i'm over involved in my stress response surviving through my stress response as opposed to of course my stress response is up. Somebody is sick in the hospital. There is uncertainty. I am sad. I am worried about the stressor. Of course. And then like, this is what you treat a little kinder, a little more gently. You don't have to have all eyes on your own stress response. Your stress response showed up for you to have all eyes on whatever the identified stressor is. And so Mm -hmm. that's why it's be where you are. Be in a heightened state like i'll say sometimes if if we had to like get rid of the word anxiety if we just banished it from the dictionary pick another word oh, right i'm anxious i feel so anxious this is because what exactly are you feeling right now what's happening right now Oh, my chest is a little tight. I feel butterflies in my stomach. I'm feeling kind of sad. Oh, I've been thinking about these memories for the last few days. Oh, something's going on in our relationship. Oh, the something's up with school. And I'm but guys, it's it's anything and just being aware of the different things my body does. We don't have to always attach it to a diagnosis. 
right? It yes. can just be a fluctuating feeling. Yes. And I wish the definition of it would be anxiety is a feeling that is a result of failed attempts to control things that you can't <laughs> because that's really what it is. Right? So there's this misinterpretation going, let's say, oh, my heart skipped a beat and my interpretation is, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. So that's mm -hmm. a stressor. My stress response then is like, oh my God, you have a problem? Well, get yourself to the hospital. But now in, instead of attending to that, I'm like, oh yeah, oh my God. And I'm, I'm afraid of that. And because this is just in my head, I can't do nothing about it. I right. cannot control my heart, but I want to and I try and I try I try and because I fail at controlling over and over and over that creates that feeling of anxiety you could also call it helplessness or incompetence and many people report I feel so lost in this I feel so small it, it robs me of all my confidence why is that why don't you feel confident anymore why don't you feel competent anymore although you are a very competent person why because you are failing over and over over mm -hmm. and over trying to control something so yes at some point you are going to start to feel like a failure right if you try and you think you're doing the right thing because this is how you address problems this is how you fix problems i've been doing that all my life and it, it always worked and now i'm doing the same i'm thing. so good at fixing things I, i'm a fixer i'm a doer give me a worksheet tell me what to do and i'll do it and this is where everybody gets real stuck because the more i do the more stuck i get yes Yes, and so you are not the problem, right? You are not the problem. The tools you are using are the no. problem. You have so. a doing disorder, right? If I had a hologram, if we were in person, one day, guys, who would like to do a dare retreat? Who would mm -hmm. like to, I'm going to make Barry listen to this part of the webinar. What time Hi, is it? 11.23. Hey, Barry. Let's <laughs> do a dare retreat where we can do all, fly somewhere. We all go around the world and we can be somewhere in person. I would hold up a hologram. I don't know how to make a hologram, but like something that projected an image into the air. Let's say a, a tiger and little like project, you know, those little kid projection things. You could put the stars on the ceiling. Let's say there's this image right here. Okay. And you don't like the image that I'm projecting. Do something about it. This is where the exhaustion and the, you're like, stop, stop, stop step and your hands just go through it you're trying and trying but it's not working because it's still there and i still feel that's why doing disorders you're you're engaged in disordered behavior because you're trying to get rid of something that's not get rid of a bull i eat a little more professional than i am i just make up words that's, as we go along it's not get you're trying to get rid of something that's not get rid of a bull it's yeah. you just get better at feeling bad you get better at allowing discomfort you get better at being with what is rather than fighting with what is that's we get out of sync we're fighting non-fightable things whatever comes up if it's a thought a feeling a sensation a memory a what ifs or other people's thoughts feelings sensations right other people's opinions about you non-fightable right? Non-fightable. So that's the basis of dare, learning how to turn off the fight, not turn off the feel. Yeah. And not the, the, the fight response, right? Because that's outside of your control, but that's what you really want because that is what is troubling you. So what can I do to turn this response off so I can feel better? Mm -hmm. right? You keep it going by fighting. Right. I know it's very repetitive sometimes what we say, but 
it's important because isn't it hard guys although this all of this makes so much sense it's such a simple concept in theory but how hard is it to implement that and how 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 much time it takes to retrain yourself to retrain your subconscious response from fighting to being present with it and moving on that's really hard isn't it yeah. Somebody gave me the best line this week. He said, wow, that 18 inch distance from your head to your heart. He's like, it's like the hardest, longest distance it takes to get it from here to here. He's like, you think it would be easy. I said, because you have to, you have to be at your heart and get it from your head. You're trying to take it in your head and intellectualize it down into your heart. And you're not going to get this. With your prefrontal cortex, you're not going to the longest, shortest journey. Oh, yes. The longest, shortest journey you will ever take because it, it is hard. You go, like I, most people get this intellectually. If you're new on the call, it still might not make a lot of sense because it's very upside down and backwards and maybe different from all the ways you've heard to deal with anxiety before. But once you get it and you're like, oh, yeah. And then people get frustrated because you're like, what is my body going to get this? I'm trying so hard to teach it. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to help you guys understand. Yeah. And it's repetition, right? Repetition, repetition, repetition. Just think about maybe, you know, some people for years and years, they've practiced fighting and resisting. Mm -hmm. getting So that network, that fires so quickly and that's so powerful. And then they come to dare and like eight weeks later, they are super frustrated that they're stuck somewhere. How many times have you practiced this mm -hmm, new response mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. how many times have you practiced the other response? Like that's a mountain, working <laughs> mountain. And that's a tiny, tiny, tiny root that starts to, to grow there. It takes time and it takes repetition. So whenever you notice you feel frustrated about your progress or whenever a new sensation comes up that starts to scare you, always tell yourself, oh, fantastic. Now I can practice. Mm -hmm. Now I can make this new response grow and make it grow much bigger than this mountain here. And if I stop using this response, eventually it will stop growing, but this one will grow. So every, it's really true. Every new sensation, every setback, every situation that frightens you is a chance to practice. Mm -hmm. And it gets you somewhere. All right. All right. <laughs> How would you recommend doing exposure for intrusive thoughts of hurting my child? And I, I'm afraid to be alone with my child. So mm -hmm. anybody here, and if you guys see, I've tried and pose tons and tons and tons of things about thoughts and intrusive thoughts. It's nice that it's finally being spoken about, but maybe like maybe the last seven years, 10 years, you didn't hear it was all whispered quiet and we try ever since we made that video right that on dpdr and intrusive thoughts that video's taken off um because that's everybody has these thoughts but it's it's this struggle with thoughts and i just posted today the answer to how you treat thoughts so if you haven't seen it um it's it's on the dare pages it's in the dare forum and it's it's on the it's on my social media pages but it's in all the dare pages that you guys have access to it's a picture of somebody thinking about ducks did you see it yet no so she's got she's got she's having duck thoughts and one is just a duck and it says thought and one is the same duck holding a knife 
thought, what is a duck with the censored across it? Like a naked duck. Thought, what is a duck that showed up and it's doing this like this? Still mm-hmm. a thought. One is a big close-up of a duck. One is a duck with thoughts around it. It's never about the content of your thought, okay? It's sure. you had a thought, which is safe, about something. The, th- the fact that you had a thought is is it's how you treat the thoughts, not how you treat the content of your thoughts, right? It's, yeah, I just had a thought about hurting my child. That thought bothers me. In that post, I just show the picture of the woman and the thoughts. I didn't show the bothered feeling that comes up. Because if you had thoughts that came paired with a pleasant feeling, you kind of leave those thoughts alone. That thought bothers me. I don't want to hurt my kids. That bothers me. What's wrong with me? I better do something to make sure I don't turn into a murderer. Like, And so then you take action. You probably are trying to not be alone with your child. Now you are keeping yourself and your child safe because you had thoughts you didn't like. That's the disordered piece. Not that you had that thought. I am an open book. You guys have seen my past posts and all my thoughts. I put them out on paper just to let you know, having thoughts about anything, anything you want is safe. And part of that post, I said, and tell your kids, It's safe to have thoughts. They can have any thoughts they want. They don't mean anything about them as a person. It doesn't make them a good person. It doesn't mean they're going to turn into a murderer. It's not going to make you go crazy. Like it's not a prediction of the future. Anything past the period is the problem. I noticed I had a thought about hurting my kid today. Yup, period. Anything past the period is the problem. Yes, yes. You know, in their academy, we use the example with the woman who watches a crime series where somebody kills their siblings. And then she's like, hmm. (laughs) Yeah, my sister, I don't like her. Look at what she did to me at the last family dinner. How could you embarrass me like that? What was if I were to kill her? Mm -hmm. It's just a brief moment, right? But then it's like, "Mm." shrug it off. And move on so it's just this association that person killed their sister or brother oh i have a sister and a brother and i don't like my sister like they didn't like their sister so they killed their sister what if i were to do it mm, no not worth it done mm-hmm. but they don't get shocked just because they had that thought although the thought was the same right killing somebody i love which oh my god i would never do that why would i think such a thing but in the context of watching this series and making this comparison and having these associations i don't find anything negative or scary about it and so that's normal Mm -hmm. the problem becomes when you're like yeah that might happen that might happen i might lose control of my senses and why Mm -hmm. would you do that oh because normal people don't have such thoughts you see Mm -hmm. and that is Mm -hmm. problem That is the misconception because nobody likes to talk about that stuff. It's still this big pathology. If you have thoughts like that about somebody you love, that means something is really wrong with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's an intrusive thought. And that's a sign of an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And you will know, you know, you can only manage an anxiety disorder, Michelle. Don't forget that. Now you have 12 coping mechanisms on how to get through thoughts. See, guys, this is not what we do. It's, no. Oh yeah, I had I I can have that thought. 
I can have 10 other shittier thoughts. Again, I know this sounds weird. It's not replaced negative with positive. It's, yeah, I can have that terrible thought. Oh, I can have an even worse thought. Oh my God, that was really disgusting. Oh, that one's even worse. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm even more bothered. I'm not in more danger and neither is my family. I can sit and have all the thoughts I want. And this is, your problem is your disordered relationship with your imagination when it comes to what if. And disordered relationship with this guy. This guy is sending you a whoosh because you're using it positively, according to this guy. He gave you energy to fight something and you are fighting or you are trying to keep everybody safe by better better not be alone because what if I can't handle these thoughts and I lose control and I act on them and nobody's here to keep me safe. Now, this is somebody who now thinks they are about to become danger at any moment because their thoughts are now marked as danger. And now what are they finding? more awful thoughts. Now try not to have those thoughts and trying to be distracted and trying to only think good thoughts. No, I love my kids. No, look, let me hug you. Oh my God, I'm hugging her too hard. Am I strangling her? Don't touch her. Don't touch her. Oh, what? It's a doing disorder as opposed yes. to, oh yeah, that's a thought. I don't like that thought. Yup. Period. Do whatever you were doing if you were thinking about ducks instead of harming your child. It's just a random, spontaneous thought. Period. Yeah. And always remember the thought only bothers you, not because of the content. Trust me, it's not the content, it's the feeling it comes with. Mm -hmm. It's the mm -hmm. it comes with. You can have so many bizarre thoughts that. If you think about you wouldn't like the content. Oh, let's see. What if the world is flat after all? I wouldn't like that. But it doesn't come with a whoosh right now. Does it for you or for you guys? No. So it's not an intrusive thought. But it becomes intrusive when it comes with that whoosh of energy. And now I'm like, oh, because it feels like that, it must be true. It must have some meaning. Right? That girl I, I mentioned earlier who's watching the crime scene, she doesn't get a whoosh when thinking about killing her sister she doesn't that's why she's like mm, whatever you're getting a whoosh and this is why it feels so important and it feels like you need to attend to it and this is why the impulse after the whoosh is mm, do something either go run go hide fight do something with it or go google anybody having intrusive thoughts about hurting uh, harming their, their child mm -hmm. there's always an impulse that comes after the whoosh right. and this is where you need to just stay your ground and say, no, this is just another thought. And yes, I do feel the whoosh. I do feel the impulse to act now. But since I know this is just a misfire, I'm just going to stay where I am and go all spaghetti, relax into this experience and showing, showing my amygdala, hey, dude, that was a misfire. You can stop. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, another misfire, dude. Come on. No, no, no. That's the way to go. This is how we're going to do it from today on. And you do that again, repetition over and over and over. At some point, we'll just click. We'll mm -hmm. just click. That's going to be, oh, okay. And then you, you, you can have this exact same thought, the exact same content, but now it doesn't feel charged. And who? All of a sudden, you don't care about it anymore. 
And then you're like, oh, it's just, it was just an intrusive thought. Yeah, it used to bother me. Mm-hmm. I'll throw in one thing there, right? In that spot, just to, for anybody, just trying to preempt somebody booking a one-to-one call thinking that now that's problematic. I'll get calls on, I had these thoughts of hurting my kids and I was so scared. And scared is what kept me from hurting my kids, from acting on the thoughts. And now that I'm not scared, <laughs> That scared me. <laughs> right now I'm scared that I'm not scared because that means do I like this thought now? Oh my gosh, am I more likely to do this since I'm not scared anymore? Nope. Just trying to I I'll, I'll say this on the old I would say this on the old boot camp calls like that's actually a sign of progress. That's not a sign that you're about to become closer to being a murderer. It's more like oh, that's normalization. That's the normalization process where it doesn't feel like it goes back to feeling like how you were saying the world was flat. The example I use all the time is like, what if a meteor, an asteroid fell on your house right now? Like I'll use that for so many people because usually it's, yeah, that would suck, but (laughs) there's no, there's no, like you don't get the dump of adrenaline. Like, you know, it could, Mm -hmm. it could, but most people don't have that like visceral reaction that like their body doesn't do anything in response to that thought. Their body just sort of stays quiet. Right. Mm. And so when your body screams, when you have a thought and then you use that energy to attend to the thought, you, you, the message you told your body is keep screaming and sending me energy. Now thoughts are marked as danger. And mm-hmm. so you have to reteach this guy. Oh, whoops. He's been wishing me for thoughts of danger turns out that's not danger remember guys now energy so you can now fight now danger what's usually missing is the now danger you have the now energy and the now fight which makes anxiety not survival you gotta put a leash on this guy (laughs) like now he's doing like this he's all over the place and as soon as you put a leash in him, you're you're educating him. No, we're not afraid of intrusive thoughts. No, a skipped heartbeat is not a heart attack. So we're not going to rush to the hospital, okay? And you just keep walking while it's on a leash. And, and it's a weird analogy, but it's really training like, like uh, it's like training a puppy. Mm-hmm. You see uh, that comment there? My anxiety is sort of an asshole, but I'm learning to love him. <laughs> fantastic and you don't need to love him but as long as you can befriend him right befriending that's that's really enough and there will be days you're gonna you know maybe just smile at it and say oh yeah whatever that's you again there will be other days where you just hate it and and you know gonna be very upset and and aggressive and and that's okay too that that will change depending on on the day and, and your situation yeah but think of yourself as a parent you are the educator the mm-hmm. teacher the parent, the pilot, the the boss of the company, whatever you want to call it, but you you are the leader. And at the moment, things are really off. Your employees are not listening to you. You have no authority at the moment, but you need to reclaim it and stand your ground. Yesterday in my day advance call, Patrick said, st- he wrote down an affirmation, um, standing firm in front of anxiety. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be tough. You just need to stand firm. Yep. Gentle, but firm, right? Oh, kind of like a parent, like that, like your parent, like, no, we're not going to the park, period. Not shut up, stop it. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 
right? And decisive, right? Like we make the decisions. Anxiety is not the decision maker. Anxiety is the alerter. It alerts you and shows you so that you can decide. What happens is you're just making decisions because he's alerting you. And now he's just doesn't know what to do. He's like zap happy. He's just wishing you everywhere because you're fighting everything. But you're fighting everything because you're wishing everywhere. So it's time to take the reins and say, this is where we're going, whether you wish me or not. Again, easier said than done. Somebody's going to write that at some point. Easier said than done. I absolutely know. We're just trying to keep it simple. Try and keep it simple. This is not easy. If this was easy, we would just type this up once. We would, everybody would read it and everybody would do it. It's, it's hard. It's hard to yeah, do. But you know, the alternative is harder. People forget that staying where you are, being a prisoner of anxiety, being limited, feeling small, feeling incompetent, not being able to just spontaneously say yes to things and go where you want to go, uh, having peace of mind, being confident in your own skin, um, not being obsessed with thinking all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what? That is hard. That is so much harder than pushing through anxiety and and educating your your anxious mind 100 percent right so and this pain that you go through in recovery it's a healing pain it's a healing pain the other pain of the alternative of seeing where you are it's, it's just suffering it's meaningless mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. truly truly meaningless nothing good comes out of that ever right right you know that ties right into this next call this next um question which tied into our last question which we didn't i didn't address about like all the things we do of why we get so involved in these thoughts a lot of it is this inordinate sense of responsibility we have like i am responsible for keeping everybody alive i'm responsible for keeping myself alive i'm responsible for other people's opinions about me and we take on this like better better control these thoughts so i don't act on bad things and and so just to tie that into this question here um just to put it into context this person asked any suggestions on how to handle feeling irresponsible if i don't pay attention to uncomfortable sensations anybody do that you feel like Okay, so this is more about physical stuff like your body, but before it was just about thoughts. But if I don't pay attention to my heart, that could be irresponsible. And and it's kind of a long question, but basically like I could die and, and leave my family and how irresponsible of me and they would be upset that I didn't do something about them. And like it feels like feels proactive to be well, I should get this checked out. Here comes like the physical stuff, the health anxiety, anybody dealing with health anxiety, even though, oh, that was my question. Oh, hi, Heather. <laughs> Great. And then again, it's like somebody else has locked into these thoughts are meaningful of something that is that I'm predicting is going to happen, right? The, I'm hooking present discomfort hooked into a future worst case scenario most people are hooked into present discomfort a for the sake of alleviation of present discomfort but b what if it turns into something else what if this is a sign of a deadly disease what if i just accept and allow and then i die from a heart attack um, so i better go get it checked every 12 minutes at the doctor and so so okay i see a lot of comments this is a very very common thing that comes up health anxiety is a big thing um it's just it, it's still it's still a fight of the coulds it's just a different different content rather than i could hurt my child it's 
I could die or I could, I could not go to the doctor and then they catch it and it's too far gone and then it's too late and then I die. And if I could have done something about it sooner, right? I, that's why I should always keep a careful eye on myself all the time. Sound familiar um, to a lot of people on the chat? I would, I would assume. Yeah. I'm like, afraid everyone will hate me even when after I'm dead. Funny. Even like just this sense of like other people's opinions on us, like carry on or even embarrassment. Like, like what, what if I died and like they had to take off my shirt to resuscitate me and like everybody sees my boobs, but like, if you played that out, you would actually be dead and you wouldn't be embarrassed. Like you would, but like, you're now like pre embarrassed. You're like conjuring up. Oh, here. I had that thought too, Michelle. <laughs> they're just thoughts. They're just normal thoughts. And you're like, and it starts with, Oh, imagine, imagine. And now I'm like sitting out there and I know this bra is like 17 years old. And it's like, like I'm all messed. And like, now you're feeling the feeling of embarrassment, imagining that scenario and trying to prevent that scenario to try and alleviate your present embarrassment or to try and make sure it doesn't happen. It's punching the hologram. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just a different sort of thing. You're, somebody's trying to not kill their kid who's not killing their kid. You're trying to not die by staring at uncomfortable body fluctuations. And somebody just wrote, such an exhausting way to live, right? Because that's not living, that's surviving. You're yeah. stuck in survival mode and it is exhausting. Yeah. But Heather, I, I just want to add, you seem like a very fun person to be around. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, great. Did we answer that question? Yeah, Heather, what do you think? It's You see how it's kind of, okay, yeah, so helpful. Great, good. Um, it's the same. It doesn't matter really the content of what you're fighting. Notice, am I fighting a non-tangible thing? Notice if I'm trying to prevent something in the future. Notice if I'm fighting something that already happened in the past. Or like we can ruminate about the what ifs. We can ruminate about the what was or what could have if it was different. It's this, it's this action that happens here. That's more of the problem than what this action is hooked Two, we can hook this action to our body. We can hook this action to our mind. This hook this action to what if I develop schizophrenia? Somebody posted something about like fear of mental illness. It's the same thing. Notice if it's a what if. Notice if, if it's a could. Notice if you are just constantly taking the present discomfort and turning that into the O and spending your day overly involved in doing something to try and get rid of this thing that's here and if your actions don't don't change what's present we're here to help you change your actions not what's present i mean that's, you know, did i miss anything no no that was perfect and you know for me sometimes i've noticed so my thing was mental health anxiety like oh god what if i lose control what if i you know blah, 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 all these things that was the big thing after that what i've noticed is more huh what is this pimple how long has it been there what's this rash oh my god this could turn into something really big so i get the thoughts and i get the bush and i notice the impulse oh let me go and check this out let me go and check this out and i still have that i still have that and it's I wouldn't say changed in its intensity, 
And so when something unusual happens, my brain will go, oh my God, that's good. It's enhanced. And the impulse to act is enhanced. But what is very different is I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Let's see. I'm going to wait three days. If it doesn't settle in three days, then I'm going to take another look. But no, I'm going to leave this alone. And it's my reaction to that that settles. Right? The, the, the initial sensitization in the bush. Mm-hmm. It will be so easy for me to fall back into the spiral by, well, oh my God, let's let's Google this out. Let's compare pictures. Has it grown at all? Why did this happen? Let's go to the doctor. Done. It would feel so good to do that in a moment. Remember that, guys. Following up on this impulse. Feels so useful, something. right? Oh, I'm, I'm doing a lot to help me keep myself alive yes. because your body puts yes. you into a state of action and then you yes. take action and it feels like, oh, that energy, I'm, I'm doing something useful and practical. And if you are, sure, keep doing it. But no, is what I'm doing useful? Is this practical? Am I solving a problem? Am I curing cancer? Am I helping? Like, am I doing something that I can actually see a change? Or am I, I, or I really just noticed my doing is somewhat alleviating my anxiety a little bit. But when I stop, the anxiety comes back because here is the uncertainty again, control, vulnerability, uncertainty. Those are our three areas that kind of get us stuck in there. Uh, I can't control this. I can't control the spot, but I'm going to get into controlling behaviors of Googling and researching and analyzing because we tend to be really good at doing. So I'm going to go in doing mode to solve the problem. Unless you are a dermatologist performing surgery on yourself, you're not solving any problems. You're really just driven by your anxiety. It's kind of no different than let's say me, I would be more of like the, I feel trapped and I would get that whoosh and feels like I need to leave right now. And I'm just leaving because of the energy. If I didn't Mm -hmm. have that energy, I would just stay there. Right. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have that energy, you'd be like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's weird. I'm going to write that down and tell my dermatologist, I'm going to show him that picture when we go there next month. But it's, I'm, I'm using this energy and I'm driven by this energy to do see doing, 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 but where does the doing end? Like, what are you doing and why are you doing it? If you can answer that question, great. But if you're looking for, I just need to know for sure. Mm-hmm. Good luck. To feel good. Right. I just need to feel better. If you are looking something up to know for sure, like, what was the 12th president of the United States? Well, oh, that bothers me. Oh, I can. I can find a fact. If you're mm-hmm. searching for a fact, go ahead and find the fact. Oh, what's that guy's middle name? Oh, yeah, that's his middle name. But if it's, when will it end? When does this get better? Why did I feel this weird feeling 12 days ago that lasted for 10 seconds? Most of those answers you won't find except in the answer of, I don't know. And that is acceptance of uncertainty. When you start answering the I don't knows with, I don't know, period. And I'm not going to do something about this, right? I don't know. And it's okay. You know, and, and we're pointing all these examples from our personal life out because we want you to notice patterns. That as soon as you notice and understand patterns, mm-hmm. you can free yourself of them. So pattern, oh, trigger. <gasps> Interpretation. Oh my God, usually something, oh, it's something uh, like a worst case scenario. Stress response, ding, 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 ding. alarm. 
Now I feel hyper, then comes the impulse to do something, right? And then I go and do something to prevent that worst case scenario from happening. Mm -hmm. But of course that doesn't work. So I fail at this over and then I try harder and harder and I fail and I fail and I fail. And the more I exhaust myself, the more anxiety I get because I'm labeling something as a problem that is not a problem. My body's sending me more and more. So I get more of the sensations, more of the thoughts, more impulses to act on them and more failed attempts and therefore more anxiety. Mm -hmm. Be stuck here or here or here, but wherever you are, notice. Every time you notice, I feel off and I want to do something. I'm driven by anxiety. Ah, what happened? What just happened? Oh, there was this trigger. Oh, now I feel like that. And now I want to do this. Oh, what's going to happen then? All right, what happened the last time? So you know what? No, not going to do that. And if you approach it this way, you will be you will get much much better at identifying where you are in that cycle, what is going on, and to remove yourself from it. And you could replace Michelle's example and my example with every example of right. you. Don't get caught in the content. Like I'll have people call me and say, "Well, Ida was booked, but I know she dealt with the mental health thing, and you didn't. But I don't know if you or you you did, you had the stomach thing, Michelle, and the trap thing. So that's why I didn't call Ida." It doesn't, it really doesn't matter what it hooks to. If this guy has hooked fear, again, when in, when it's working perfectly, his job is to imprint fear into danger. And so when you see, it's like this natural instinctual thing we're born with. So when you see bears, we're instinctually scared. So it, fear sort of has a way of imprinting itself to danger. This guy has imprinted itself to misinterpreted danger. For whatever reason, mine just misinterpreted to this particular thing and yours was something else. It doesn't matter the misinterpretation. That's why we run group calls. That's why we run uh, like all the these different groups and the webinars because it doesn't matter the thing. If We didn't talk about driving anxiety on this call at all. That doesn't mean it's not addressed because think about it. My alarm now suddenly misinterpreted it feeling a feeling while I'm driving as dangerous. So now here's fear for driving. Here's fear to prevent crazy. Hmm. How's Aida going to prevent crazy? She's going to find all the biased versions of crazy there are in our head. So she's not going to be staring at her knees all day long, right? Oh my God, my knees feel weird. That might make me crazy. No, we're going to Somebody who's worried about going crazy is going to be here. How connected do I feel? How detached do I feel? What are those thoughts? That feels weird. Did, well, what's my relationship with like with people around me, right? Looking for, looking for crazy. It's like fear is like a plug and it plugs perfectly into danger. It's made for fear. Fear and danger plug in together. But fear shows up and we're hands at a plug. We're like, fuck am I supposed to do with this? Oh, I got to plug this in somewhere. And so we like kind of go looking for danger. And then we find someplace. Well, I felt like I was going to throw up. Oh, but I, I fought it and I didn't throw up. Oh, good. Now fear is misinterpreted and imprinted into what if I throw up? And somehow my doing is preventing throwing up. Somehow all my doing is preventing crazy. Somehow all my doing is preventing having a heart attack. Doing doing disorder so rather than this is the content of my problem much more interested in i'm much more interested in 
What am I doing? What am I staring at all day long? My involvement, my fighting, my rumination, my problem solving, my catastrophizing. My, these are habits, right? And like Aida was saying, like be, actions and behaviors turn into patterns. Patterns turn into habits. Habits are when you kind of like automatically do so. You feel like you have no control over it. Like, well, I just start ruminating, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you start taking it back to the bare bones of the beginning of how you develop that happen in the first place. Oh, actions and behaviors, which means now when I notice that initial thing, I need to be aware of what I do next. And then I can replace that old action with a different action and behavior. I can treat that thought differently, not replace thoughts, not get rid of feelings, but I can treat what's happening differently. Dare response, right? How I respond, not the dare elimination method. It's how I respond to my thoughts. I've developed a disordered response to my thoughts. I developed a disordered response to physical discomfort. And now dare is to help you change that response. I think that was a perfect wrap up, Michelle. <laughs> I'd like, like to, to add to, to what you just said earlier. You know, um, this misinterpretation is like confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I think, oh God, I might be going crazy. So the moment I think that and believe that that could be true, it's like I'm sending out my, my hunt dog for signs mm -hmm. that this is mm -hmm. happening. And so now all my inner scanners are are trying to find evidence that yeah i'm going crazy so now i start to monitor everything what am i thinking how much am i thinking how fast are my thoughts coming and going do i feel i'm looking at the same person when i look in the mirror what feels off um how connected do i feel to myself or to other people how am i talking how's the sound of my voice right there how is my memory my cognitive function mm -hmm. so all of all of that rumination right being stuck in your head is really your hunt dog being out trying to find evidence that yeah you might be going crazy and that's the power of misinterpretation that's why going back to that cycle that i mentioned earlier trigger interpretation stress response and diffuse is really about changing that misinterpretation mm -hmm. heart skip oh god heart attack now you diffuse oh no come on dude that's just another skipped heartbeat i had like a thousand of them i would be dead by now okay that's diffuse and that diffuse helps to calm the stress response a little bit it might still ignite and you will still be left with that feeling of you know anxiety or, or, or panic but it will be much much less than if you don't diffuse in that cycle mm -hmm. so where was, was i trying to go with that i don't know i lost my train of thought but anyway bottom line is confirmation bias right when you notice when you notice you're ruminating and, and you're so stuck in your head think about why what is going on at the moment what kind of misconception are you carrying that is contributing to this mm -hmm. and just to, to wrap up i just wanted to add because it's not a few, a bunch of people have been um, asking about Dare Academy. I came in on here, a few messages in the in the email and customer service. So just to briefly mention, Dare Academy is sort of like, we were looking too much like we had a boot camp here and a Dare Advance here and a this. So we've kind of condensed our coaching program into like one solidified 
program where you you come in, there's a clear beginning, there's sort of a clear end to the clinical aspects of it, and then it ends with like peer support. Um, so does every anybody need to do this? Are we holding back information here that we're only saving for Dare Academy? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if it's for people who um, want more of a sense of community, uh, maybe might do well in a group setting, like the idea of structure and having like group calls to go to, like having things where I can like help me hold myself accountable. So it's 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 kind of over um, a few month process where you have a month with Aida doing the first stage, which is a lot of acquiring information and how all of this works. Right. And then you move to higher level of clinical involvement, although we're not therapists and we're helping you with coaching. And this is not to be looked at as therapy. There's my disclaimer. Okay. Then you move down to the second tier where you come to me instead of um, three group calls in three weeks, you have six group calls over three months. And now I'm here more to help you monitor your implementation of the skills you've learned with Aida. This is kind of like how Dare Advance was when we were having Dare Advance, where it's, I kind of help you guys run the show. And then eventually you get moved on to our peer support group, like a maintenance group where you can stay forever, help each other out, run your own group calls. We're hoping to get maybe some peer moderators, peer leaders trained to maybe oversee some calls where you progress through us coaches through the dare and progressively like rely on us less and rely on yourself more. Um, And it's just tied in with a, a, Facebook groups and just a lot of support. Um, so that's just a summary of what Dare Academy is. It's almost like taking the Dare book and the stuff you learn here and putting it. Aida did a crazy, amazing job of making a million videos, a million edits, flew out to Ireland, recorded it all. I flew out too. It was so much fun. <laughs> and so we're hoping, again, do you need to do this? No, but that's what this is if you feel like you might find it helpful. So if you get information on that, I just wanted to give a little um, a little description yeah. on what Dare Academy is. Did I miss anything? No, thank you very much, uh, Michelle. Just, uh, I just want to add to that, that Dare, if you have read the book and you have been a member of Dare Advanced um, and maybe you have done boot camp already. Or lots of one-to-one calls, like lots, yeah. like if you really already get it. Yeah, it's not for you. So it's really for for the person who maybe only has read the book, never was in any kind of coaching program, looking for some community vibe, looking to to and and wants to learn through videos. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Dare Academy is this um, multi-dimensional. So you have videos to watch, you have the group calls to attend, you get home assignments that you do. So there is some reflecting and writing, doing some meditation. So it, it really tries to to make this a multidimensional experience. But um, we need to put in the work. So there are home assignments to do. There are videos to, wa- to, to watch. So if you're a beginner and you're enthusiastic and you're dedicated to doing some work, it's absolutely for you. If you have been a longtime member of DEAR, probably not. Yeah. And and keep in mind, group, they're, they're all group calls. So, I mean, 
you have to be okay with being on a group and and like social media is really the main platform of where we communicate. So if you're not on Facebook, you might miss out on some of the chats if you don't right. So just be aware of that stuff too. You can always make a fake Facebook account and we'll bring you in and and then like it ends in on the the peer support Facebook page. So um so yeah. Guys, thank you so much for attending. Thank you for submitting your questions. Thank you, Michelle. It's good to see you. I love the yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> And until next time, everybody. Take care. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Dare Podcast. The Dare app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.